Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. So my guest is Professor Tawana Kupe from the uh, University of Pretoria. He's a vice chancellor and principal there. As we observe World Press Freedom Day, good afternoon and thank you so much, Prof, for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon, Pimelo, and good afternoon to your listeners. Why? Let me start with, with your opinion and why it's so important for us to keep reflecting on World Press Freedom Day. No, because with press, uh, with press freedom and freedom of expression and freedom of the media in general, is, uh, vigilance is very, very important. Because without the, if we don't enjoy freedom of expression, freedom of the media, uh, uh, there are consequences for other rights that we have. Remember, the media is very key. Uh, to us knowing, getting information which enables us to know our rights and to exercise them and to hold those that are powerful to account. It's not always guaranteed. There are always changes. So when I compare, for example, the time post the adoption of the Windhoek Declaration, which led to the UN creating World Press Freedom Day, mm. those were bright and wonderful days when press freedom media freedom expanded, and even you saw new media emerging, whether it's newspapers, radio stations, and television stations. Mm. One cannot say so in recent decades. There has been some degree of deterioration in press freedom, on top of the fact that now fake news, disinformation campaigns on the new Internet platforms, which ironically emerged in the 1990s as well, is, is, is threatening press freedom as we know it. And, and and fakes, factual information, ethical journalism, and public uh, and information in the public interest. The team this year is information, uh, public information, mm. uh, for example. Yeah. It's become quite complex as well because we we are faced uh, with the fact that press, the press itself, is struggling with financing media, financing Absolutely. the news, yeah. and so on. And yeah. we know that Sanef has recommended a few things recently after conducting their their extensive, uh, you know, look into what is happening in the media. But one of the things mm-hmm. that they were recommending was that you know you need to bolster the newsroom you also need to do a lot more with making sure that your stories are have got in-depth research and and, you know partnering with with you know organizations like ask um a bigger pardon the research kind of uh, research centered organizations to make sure that you've got enough information it's tough because there isn't money there isn't money to resource news agencies Yes, absolutely. You have hit the nail on the head there about the crisis of journalism and crisis of the media in underfunding. So this is what has happened essentially is that with the rise of the Internet and social media platforms and attempts for media also to have an, a presence on online, is that you have a situation, what I call, where the dead, the old is not yet dead. And mm. by the way, it should not die. Mm-hmm. Print media should exist, mm. radio and television. Mm. But the new, this online or digital media, is not yet born. Mm-hmm. So in that vacuum, is a very dangerous space where you do not have strong media institutions, well-funded journalism, well-funded media companies, well-funded and sustainable public media like the SABC. We know what has happened to the SABC mm-hmm. over the time. Mm-hmm. Miners, you know, corruption and all of that mm-hmm. money being diverted or even poor HR practices employing too many people. The fundamental problem of the SABC is this funding model, not, yep. not all of these things. Yep. Yeah, yep. and, 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 you know, we, we, speak, we speak about the ANC primarily because it's a public entity. That's not to say other media houses are not also bleeding as the SABC is. 
Absolutely. On the, on, the, on the private side as well, remember that with private media, you also have the traditional problem that it's a business. Yes. And a business is not it's something that is run as a business. It's mm. not always the best thing to deliver something that is uh, information as a public good or something in the public interest. Mm. Because financial calculations, uh, some of the investors want their, their dividends. Private equity firms owning media or having a stake in media are looking to make money and to maximize money, not to maximize information yeah. in the public interest that threatens Democrats. Uh, so if you are heavily reliant on public media for, your, for, 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 for public information and public information as a good, and for people's freedom of expression, you are in trouble. So a great example is the United States under Trump. And which continues today. Mm-hmm. Trump actually set up a, a different media platform, which was his Twitter account and mm-hmm. his other social media account, mm-hmm. which rivaled in, in, in the traditional media. Mm-hmm. And they went against all of the norms that you know mm-hmm. uh, were based for true information that underpins democracy mm-hmm. and sustainable development. There needs to be a bigger conversation, Professor Cooper, about, as you said, we're talking about funding models and mm-hmm. how we need to also look at sponsored content because that in itself is also part of the crisis here where you have Mm. conversations happening in platforms that are not necessarily objective because somebody's paying for them to happen so you know towing the line there being quite tricky yeah no i think when it comes to sponsored content and also advertising and so on i always said when i taught uh, media studies myself that around the editorial table there's one person who's sitting there but they are not visible Mm. That person pays for what is going mm-hmm. to be what mm-hmm. is going to be produced, mm-hmm. and they exercise not in the not in the negative, uh, necessarily in the negative. Mm. In, 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 their, their their decisions or their calculations have negative effects, mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily there to be evil or anything. Mm-hmm. But there's a censoring effect mm-hmm. about whether this is going to sell yep. to or this is going to and to what audiences mm-hmm. and also what needs to sell. So mm-hmm. sponsored content. If somebody something is sponsored, they, they, somebody is actually setting the parameters. And, and Professor Cooper, there's another element to sponsored content: is that then you have taken away the space for another conversation, perhaps. So yeah. in itself, you've also siphoned out space for probably a more important conversation. Yeah, and also you have also limited voices yes. because, yeah. strictly speaking, at the most ideal level, media should be voices of the voiceless, mm-hmm. not just the powerful. Mm. The powerful, the media will focus on because of the decisions that they take, which have an impact on society, right? That is why the media must always hold them to account. But there's the ordinary person there who's, who's a, who, who is the who suffers or, or who is the who is the recipient of uh, decisions taken by the powerful in the public and the private sector. Their chance to say something mm. to be heard mm-hmm. is through the media. Mm. But if the other guys control the media, mm. the, the powerful control the media. The little person's voice is hardly going to be heard. Mm-hmm. And also, that also dampens or, or blunts the power of the media to hold the, power, the, the powerful to account, doesn't mm-hmm. it? 
Professor Tawana Kupe is my guest. He's a vice chancellor and principal at the University of Pretoria as we reflect on World Press Freedom Day. It's possibly time for you to, to add in your voice. I mean, how are you experiencing the media, especially now? What is your experience of the media? Is Are we delivering to your expectations? The number to dial, as you know, is 011-714-2006. You may also send a voice note or send a text and the voice notes can come through on 0614-104-107 or you can also send an SMS at 41391. At SFM Radio and at Pimelo on Twitter. I did say that I will welcome your calls on 011-714-2006 or you can send those voice notes on 0614-104-107. We are looking at Press Freedom Day, World Press Freedom Day. My guest is Professor Tawana Kupe, Vice Chancellor and Principal at the University of Pretoria. Romeo, thanks for your call. Good afternoon. No, no, my sister and your guest, Professor. How are you this afternoon? We're well, fine. Good afternoon good. to you. Good okay. you. I wanted to ask a question. Uh, we are talking about World Press Freedom Day. Mm. Uh, I heard the professor saying sometimes the press is uh, under control by the house media. Mm-hmm. I wanted to find out. Recently, our parliament passed the laws of uh, political funding. Mm-hmm. So, meaning to say we wanted to know who are the funders so that what is their interest. Equally the same on the press. Do we have got that kind of culture where we see uh, having a funding privately to demonize, or do we have got our own culture of reporting in terms of African status? And we see ourselves like we are fighting against it in our own, or we have got a trend in which that this is what we want to hear uh, from Africa is African rather than to be driven by the West. Thank you very much. Interesting question, Romeo. Uh, Prof, you, your, your response? Yeah, so so I think it's a, it's a legitimate question about how is the African story oh, I think it's African a, life mm-hmm. reported. There's a tendency, you're quite right, that if and others, even television stations, they're often using content about Africa from what we call the news agency, mm, mm. including even photos. So mm, you read the mm. story about Lesotho. From it Reuters. Says the story yeah. came from Reuters. Yes. But Lesotho is just next door. Mm-hmm. So if you read the story again, it betrays itself because it will say, this landlocked Southern African mm, country, mm-hmm. as if a South African doesn't know where Lesotho is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but Again, an earlier point I made, the news was not primarily meant for Africans. It was meant for others mm-hmm. who might not know where Lesotho is. Mm. But then we also, in a sense, actually buy it because Reuters doesn't just give us for free. Mm. So it is true that uh, 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 sometimes we have what I call media in Africa instead of African media. Mm-hmm. The difference would be that media in Africa could be owned by anyone and from anywhere and reporting primarily not for us. Whereas African media, which would center Africans and include voices from Africa and write the story in the best of interest of what ought to happen or what is happening and what is not. And, and this is partly in a colonial inheritance that our, our so-called quote-unquote modern media or the media that we use now, newspapers, radio and television, did not exactly originate with us. And we have yet to transform that in full and that to do that also would require as you were saying, uh, uh, 
uh, adequate, sustainable, sustained and sustainable funding going forward. What does that look like, Professor Kupi? Because we, we are trying a model here, for instance, where government assists. Let's look at the SABC, for instance. And in itself, there are some problems there because that model also has its weaknesses where government maybe has too much of a hand. We then go to the private sector kind of advertising sponsorship kind of model. It has got its own problems there. We don't have enough money. We're a young country. So what's the model? Yeah, so I think the model, I think, I think you rightly pointed the problem that, especially when it comes to the SABC, which is our public broadcaster, even uh, 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 even respected in in the in the in the constitution and all of our, our media laws and so on, is that this interference in its governance. Mm. A public broadcaster should have a, 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 a the governance should be that which emanates from the public. So mm-hmm. I would say that, for example, SABC should not be reporting to any government ministry. Mm-hmm. And this is not because yes. I, hate, I don't yes. like the minister. That's not it's the not about problem. that person, yes. It's not about that person. Sure. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Thanks for that. It's, it's Otherwise, office, it should yes. go down wrongly. Yes. What I'm trying to say, it should be reporting perhaps to a multi-party mm. committee of parliament, which is not about numbers. In other words, every, 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 political party represented should have that. So the SABC would report there and also its funding and the request for funding should go to this independent parliamentary committee wherever. Why am I saying that? It's because political parties also complain about coverage from the SABC and believe that it is slanted towards the ANC. Whereas if you had an independent, publicly oriented, mm. looking after its budget, its editorial policies mm-hmm. and all of that, you avoid that. Uh, you avoid that. The dependence also of the SABC on advertising means it is subject to the whims and desires mm-hmm. of who the advertisers mm-hmm. want to reach as an audience. Mm-hmm. Because advertisers are selling their own product mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. They are not doing this for, for to free. expand <laughs> free of expression or the media. They want that which the SABC can take them to. And then perhaps to expand on that, uh, Professor Cooper, it should actually expand beyond Parliament. You know, yeah, as, uh, that it is literally correct. Mechanism. Correct. That it's really a body that that looks after the interests of absolutely everybody, even those mm-hmm. who are not in Parliament. And maybe yeah. that's the way to go. Okay, let's take a voice note, Prof. Uh, good afternoon to you, Pamela. Uh, whilst we encourage uh, the freedom of the media and the press uh, at large we must uh, know that uh, um, the media has uh, nowadays been used as a weapon to suppress uh, those that are against the powerful and those that uh, people at large or the majority do not uh, share their views Uh, the fact of the matter is uh, the media houses are under the ownership of people that uh, are powerful and uh, have uh, financial resources and therefore they would use that media to advance advance a certain agenda uh, in the country even if calling you know for the change in the government or in the leadership of the country so the media is playing an important role but it's also playing a very dangerous role in that if it's not uh, serving the majority of the people, then it becomes a bit of a problem. Pirin Alex here. Thank you.
So, Prof, I mean, that's exactly the point of this conversation. It's not only, you know, one sector that influences the media, as we spoke about. There are many, many things that influence what the narrative becomes. You speak of informing the public, trying to get us from a very young age to understand the role of the media and also to be discerning of what we consume as consumers. Yes, I think this has particularly become very important where the media is no longer the main, the only or even the main source of information. Mm. You know, that there's now something called social media. Mm-hmm. There's now something called fake news. Mm. There's now people actually using all of the te- digital technologies to produce what looks like news or what looks like information. So, to, uh, because you see with the, with, with, with the ethical traditional media. Mm-hmm. They were editing mechanisms and checks and balances, if you like. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean mistakes didn't okay and that the influence we are talking about didn't happen. But you could be sure that, you know, the professional trained journalists uh, worked according to a certain ethics. On social media, the, uh, it's a free for all for anybody. Some of these things are so professionally produced. Every An ordinary person or even educated people often are passing fake news. And 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 unconsciously, because it's so well put together, it looks like what you actually know. So that means yeah. we now need a, 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 a courses coming from a very young age mm-hmm. around what I would call critical media literacy and mm-hmm. critical information literacy. Mm-hmm. How do I distinguish that something is fake? Mm-hmm. What are the markers and what are, what are, what, what, what are the things that betray mm-hmm. what happened? Because mm-hmm. they are very subtly done. Yeah. And open something has been taken what, what happened two years ago. And somebody recirculated today and it looks like it happened. It just actually has happened. So we can no longer take this for granted, if you like. Our education needs to be an education now about the nature of information, the nature of media, and also the nature of accountability for such things. And also that means actually talking to the so, uh, to the Internet giants, the Googles, the Facebooks, and, and the WhatsApps and all of that to be responsible in what they actually allow to be circulated on their platforms and not take a LISFA. Well, we don't censor content mm-hmm. uh, anybody who reads, <laughs> reads or receives and anybody can say it. Mm. Really appreciate your time, Professor Tawana Kupe, who's a Vice Chancellor and Principal at the University of Pretoria there as we reflect on World Press Freedom Day. Just gone 1.30, let me go to Luanda Maume for the very latest in headlines.